In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. I joy for many of you that you're finished school. Yeah. Yes. One of the great moments of the year, right? We're all done. Whole summer in front of us. Uh, well, I bless the graduates uh, at the end of the service today, so it's a beautiful thing. Today, the gospel text and the epistle text kind of coordinate a little bit in regard to uh, that God speaks to us and that we are to called in that speaking where God will call to listen and to do, both things. We listen to what he says and then we respond to that. Very much like the apostles that they left their nets, they left their lives, they left even their families to follow Christ when they heard his voice and heard the declaration of his messiahship and they followed God, they followed God. And the beautiful saints of America today that we celebrate, St. Herman and uh, St. Innocent, uh, St. Juvenali, Peter the Aleut, all those that set the bar, the Orthodox cross in the middle of the Alaskan lands and trickle down into the uh, lower 48. Those great men and women that started the joy of orthodoxy in North America, we, are, we honor them today because they heard and they did. They were listeners and doers. And two, we celebrate the great saints that took the, the faith from the Middle East and Greece and brought it to America. You know, um, I think sometimes we look at some of these ethnic communities and we go, you know, every time I go to an ethnic community, all they do is speak Greek. They speak Romanian. They speak Russian, you know. And we're a little bit, some ways, some ways just maybe a little disenchanted with that or disturbed by that. But we need to be so grateful for what they did because you need to understand why they're there because these ethnic communities came to America, started their community in America, and you know what they said they didn't have? The church. They said, what we don't have is the church. We're not complete as a community without the church. So they built the church. And then they went back to the homeland and said, bring a priest. That's why we're here in America in many ways, because of that kind of dedication. And sure, it's going to take time for that kind of ethnic presence to be kind of integrated a bit into the American life and, and, and lose maybe some of the language there. But maybe they shouldn't lose all of it. We should always have some kind of memory of that great effort made by St. Raphael and all the great American saints that came to America and established churches. What a great thing. Come to a community and say, oh, we're missing something. The church. We'll build one. Many of them were built. St. Raphael built 15 of them. 15 of them. He died when he was 56 years old. So you can imagine how quickly he got that, that done. He built one in Brooklyn. Raphael of Brooklyn. <laughs> like, nothing good comes out of Brooklyn. 
Raphael did, so thanks be to God for them. So hearers and doers. So we need to understand it's critical for us as Christian people to be listeners, to have our ears open to God so that we can hear him. And we have the technology, by the way, to do that. What do you mean, the technology? One, you're, you're, you're created in the image of God. You have all the virtues of God built into you as a human being. That's, that's your makeup, image. So there's a familiarity with God's voice to you because you have a voice. We're in his image, so we have this advantage. Everybody, as it says in the, in the epistle, everybody can hear him because they're in his image. Everybody can hear him. Everybody knows the law, even naturally, because they're in the image of God. But we have an advantage here, beloved, because we've been united to Christ in holy baptism. And we, in that unity to Christ, we have received his divine energies. All the virtues of Christ in his humanity are now given to us in baptism. So we have an advantage. And not only that, but we're energized by the Holy Spirit. So we have the technology to be listeners. Okay, so what's the problem? What's the problem? The mind's the problem, the heart's the problem, and the will's the problem. What does he mean? That's the end of the homily, so you go home. The mind, we're, we're we hear in the prayer, set aright our minds. Cleanse our thoughts. Deliver us from all calamity, wrath, and distress. We need, to be, we need to understand that the mind is so cluttered by the things of this life, cluttered by thoughts and images and things that come in, that it's so critically important to understand that that mind has got to be purified, cleansed, so that it can be can listen. It can listen to God. Why does it need to be in that condition? Because as we understand, uh, as Elijah, the blessed spiritual father of Elisha that we celebrate today, um, he was listening for the voice of God. And there came a rushing wind. And it was not in the wind. And then there was an earthquake, but it was not in the earthquake. And then there was a fire, but it was not in the fire. What is God's voice? A small, still voice. So if your mind is noisy, guess what you're not going to hear? small, still voice. So when it gets cluttered with all that stuff out there, you need time to be quiet. You need time to shut down that voice, all those other voices. You need to spend time quietly in prayer, in contemplation, in meditation, whatever it might be. You need quiet time. They say even, even psychologically, it's critical that you spend an hour a day quiet. And if you're too busy, you need to spend two hours a day quiet. 
because you can't process things correctly when there's so much noise, especially you cannot hear the voice of God. You need to spend time quietly, doing your prayers quietly in the morning, spending some time quiet before you go to bed, time quiet in the car. You don't need to turn on the radio. You don't need to be talking to everybody on the phone, texting. You don't need to be doing that. Every opportunity you can to be quiet, you need to be quiet. Because what is God's voice? It's a small, still voice. You need to quiet yourself so you can hear it. And you will hear it. You will hear it. But you've got to learn to be quiet. Sounds like a parent talking to his children. Got to be quiet. What about the heart? We, we hear the prayers and we know in the scriptures that God says you need to have a clean heart. Especially in the Psalms, you hear a lot about the heart being clear, clean and purified. And it, it gets confused and clouded by our own agendas, personally. My agenda gets clouds my heart. Uh, my ego clouds my heart. My opinion clouds my heart. Life's all about me clouds my heart. That gets, that gets in the way of a clean heart because the heart is built to be compassionate. The heart is built for the other. For the other. The heart is built for the other. And we find really our identity in the other. It's one of the great orthodox uh, understandings of finding out who you are. You find it in another. It's like, you know, the father's identity is not only in himself alone, but in the son and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's identity is not in only in himself, but in the Son and the Father. Okay? And the Son's identity is not in himself, but in the Father and the Son. He sees an identity in the other, so we see that in each other. That's one of the reasons why we need community. Be around each other. Because we see ourselves, our two selves, and the other. So this other thing. You know, one of my favorite days of the week is Monday. Not because it's my day off, because... I go hiding somewhere in a little corner to organize my week. <laughs> Not that. It's that on Monday at 5 o'clock, I go visit our beloved friends and on the streets and at Pescadero Lofts at St. Bridget Dinner. You know what that is? It's all about the other. It's all about the other. You, you, you need to see this. God will give you every day an opportunity to do for the other, to have a good, a th a good thought about another person, a good word toward them, a good deed toward them. That will happen to you all day long. You need to learn to respond to that. That purifies the heart. What a beautiful thing that is. You have to be looking for opportunities to do for the other, for your priest, and his wife. Just seeing if you're paying attention. What would be a nice thing to do for Father Mitchell? <laughs> I'm getting a little bit here. Come on. So, so critical that we have this sense of the other. 
And it's not a big deal. You don't have to go out and make a big plan to do something for another person. It will come to you all the time. A smile towards somebody. A good word towards somebody. You know, it's interesting. Uh, <laughs> we were, uh, we're, we're getting off the off-ramp. And you know what off-ramps, periodically you run into somebody asking for money. Well, I've got a little cash, a dollar bills in there, and I always give them a dollar. You know, out of kindness. You know, what, what they do with it's up to them, but I, it's a kindly act for me. I want to show them kindness, the kindness of God, and just give them money. So one time I had my mom in the car, you know, this is great. What are you doing that for? They need to get a job. What are you handing out money for? I said, Mom, I'm just trying to be kind to them. It was an opportunity to be kind to somebody. I'm being kind to them. Well, okay. All right. <laughs> I wish my mom could come here because you would really fall in love with her. She's awesome. Just don't get on the wrong side of her, I tell you that. And then finally, the will, the will, the, heart, the mind, the heart, and the will. Quiet the mind, purify the heart, and the will needs to be strong. Make your yes, yes, and your no, no. It's so critical that our will is strengthened. That's one of the reasons we're given the fast, so that we practice simply just some restrictions on our diet so that the will is strengthened. Work out. We work out with the will. Simple. All through the day, there's choices you make. Yes and no's. Yes and no's. Really important. Now I'm going to encourage you in one thing, and that is in obedience. Nobody likes that word, obedience. You've got to obey. But we're called this in, by Christ. We're, obeyed to, we're, we're called to obey the commandments, to obey the church, to obey leadership, to be, obey parents, to obey the laws of the land. Obedience is part of our life. It's not a shameful or demeaning thing or a sign of weakness in any way. It actually is a glory to life and heightens dignity and brings joy and delight to one person. Obedience. And the saints say that there's no spiritual life without it. Unless you have it, you can't live the life effectively. So, let me share with you a story. Uh, I've shared this before, but it, it's so pertinent to this. Uh, because I have three obediences in my life, uh, many more, that, but three that I was given. So, years ago, when I was struggling with my prayer rule and fasting rule, I went to Father Richard and said, you know, Father, I need some guidance on my rule. What, you know, it's kind of, it's just so haphazard, I'm not very consistent with it. He says, well, what do you do? And I said, well, this is what I do. He said, well, that's good. What you're doing is good. Well, how, how faithful are you to the rule? I said, well, I'm about 80%. He went, 80%? I said, well, maybe 75. He said, 75? I said, well, no, maybe 60. He says, okay, 60. And then he said something to me that changed my life. This changed my life. Well, do you want me to give you advice or do you want me to tell you what to do? Ooh, obedience. Do you want me to tell you what to do? I said, I'd like you to give me some advice. No. <laughs> you would never say that to Father Richard, would you? <laughs> I want you to tell me what to do. And he said this to me. And this changed my life. He said, this is your prayer rule. Don't miss. 
Don't miss it. <gasps> Don't miss. And I honestly, from that moment, it's been 20 years, and not this isn't bragging because this is just a simple obedience. I'm doing what I was told to do. I haven't missed it. Maybe little bits here and there, little tiny bits of it. It's changed my life. And he said, this will transform you. This will illumine you. Don't miss it. An obedience. And now that he's gone, I can't negotiate it anymore. <laughs> let, me be, let me try 80%, Father Richard. No. It's don't miss. Don't miss. Wow. But it did change my life. It's an obedience. I don't negotiate that. I don't get up in the morning and say, ooh, I wonder what I'm going to do and when I'm going to do it. No, I get up and I do the rule, period. It's an obedience. There's no deliberation. You know, deliberation is the great enemy of the spiritual life, by the way. You know that? How many times have you decided to diet and say, oh, I wonder what I'm going to eat today? And that's successful, right? No, you have to know exactly what you're going to have, period. There's no deliberation. When you start deliberating on what you're going to do, how much you're going to do, and when you're going to do it, you'll be horribly unsuccessful. Obedience. So what, it, that's my obedience. It's not necessarily yours. But that was really critical to me. And then there were two other things. One was something in my life that I will not share with you, <laughs> that you just have to be curious about. Which I was really happy that you won't, be, you won't know what I'm talking about, but you'll have to, I wonder what, he's, wonder what this was about. Something that in my life, I, he said, let's see if you can approach this passion with moderation. Can you be moderate with this? And we tried moderation. And guess what? Didn't work. So he said, I guess you're just going to have to not ever do that again. And I said, okay. Obedience. So I haven't done it again. Just obey, okay? Simple. We tried to moderate. Didn't work. So now it's time to just put it aside. Another thing, the same, same idea. He said, can we moderate? And we moderated it. But I have a rule that governs this activity of my life. It's a beautiful thing. I have a rule. Set aside a rule. Okay? So I have obediences. Three of them. Many other things I need to obey in life, obviously. But this virtue, this virtue that we give to God, we have from God, is very critical to us. It eliminates deliberation. Simple obediences. And we obey our family members. You know, when the baby's crying, guess what mama does? She obeys the baby. Okay? Your son or daughter gets hurt, what do you do? You obey them, you go take care of them. There's obedience, you obey traffic laws. You don't get up in the morning and decide, are you going to stop at every stop sign? What am I going to do at a red light today, I wonder? No! Life is full of simple obediences. Allow them to trickle into your spiritual life. Allow them to be there. They're all over the place. So, Mind purified quietness. Heart cleansed for the other. The will strengthened through obedience. God will then be able to speak 
with a small, still voice, and you'll be able to hear and have the strength and the purity to do. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.